0: Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source.
1: Good morning and welcome to Antitrust Law Source. This is your host, Jay Levine, and I'm joined by two of my esteemed colleagues, Bob Tanis and Jared Klaus. Good morning, gentlemen. Good
2: morning. Good morning.
1: Let's introduce both of you folks. Bob is a senior corporate partner here and also has the uh, distinction and honor of being our newest managing partner, and congratulations on that honor. Thank you, Jay. Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice?
2: Yeah, Jay. My practice is primarily uh, corporate-based practice. I do a fair bit of purchase and acquisitions, as well as advising companies on federal securities and corporate governance matters. I do have experience working with a number of very large retailers across the country, so i um, pleased to be here and to participate in this program.
1: Thanks a lot. And Jared, Jared's a fourth-year associate in our department, works um, closely with the Antitrust and Consumer Protection Group. Jared, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you graduate? What have you been doing?
0: Thanks, Jay. I graduated in 2011 from Ohio State University and I've been with Porter Wright ever since. I'm in the litigation department, and my practice focuses really on all facets of commercial litigation, from pleadings through discovery through trial or arbitration. And as part of that commercial litigation practice, I I also handle uh, consumer cases and antitrust cases, and I'm also pleased to be here on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you. And uh, I should note that both Bob and Jared are based in Columbus, Ohio. And congratulations on the Ohio State University's national championship victory. I'm sure the town is a buzz. Uh, today's topic. Today's. Uh, by the way, I'm hoping next year that my Trojans will uh, be hoisting the trophy, but yeah, that remains to be seen. Uh, so today's topic is about Made in the USA. Some people have called it a trap for the unwary. I think a lot of manufacturers and retailers know that the FTC has an approach to claims that a product is made in the USA, and their approach is far more pragmatic than what we will see some states have adopted. Under the FTC's enforcement policy, you can make a claim made in the USA if the product is all or virtually um, all made in the USA. The two things that need to be done in the US are uh, essentially the final processing and all significant parts have to be made there. But uh, beyond that, it's much more of a quantitative and a qualitative analysis as to how much of the goods value was made from, was made in the USA, was made from USA parts. And as long as the vast majority of that was conducted in the U.S. and made from U.S. parts, then the claim is a valid claim. But that doesn't seem to be true for uh, across the country. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Jared. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit about some recent developments?
0: Sure, Jay. Well, as you said, the uh, FTC standard, which has been around since 1994, pragmatic and essentially says that most of your product is – produced, you can call it made in the USA, but one state in the country has decided to enact its own law, and perhaps not surprisingly, that state is California, which often diverges from the uh, federal standard on on a variety of consumer issues, and in this case, California prohibits uh, retailers or designers from using made in the USA labels. Their products contain any parts, article, or unit, uh, essentially any component, no matter how small, made in a foreign country.
1: So there's no proportionality?
0: Not at all. It's essentially a strict liability. Now, let's say we have a pair of jeans. The jeans are made from denim It's manufactured in the U.S., they're put together in the U.S., they have thread that's made in the U.S., and it just so happens that the zipper is made in a foreign country the retailer and the designer in that case would be subject to liability under California's law for for labeling their product as made in the USA
1: interesting now this isn't necessarily a new statute is it
0: no actually it it's been around since 1954
1: oh
2: uh,
0: the, the reason that we're seeing a, an explosion of made-in-the-USA uh, claims right now is because of a January 2011 ruling by the California Supreme Court in a case called Quickset, which essentially broadened the private right of action for plaintiffs, private individuals to sue for violations of, of California's made-in-the-USA uh, labeling statutes. And as is the case when you have such a court uh, decision or or law that broadens uh, the ability of private parties to sue, the the class action attorneys come out of the woodwork, and that's what we've been (laughs) seeing in the last couple of years in California.
1: Really? Um, So what's been happening in California in terms of class action work?
0: Well, uh, we're seeing a number of retailers and designers who label their products as made in the USA being targeted for uh, essentially deceptive advertising claims. Claims are being brought as class actions, which can threaten a, a extremely large uh, damage awards uh, for retailers and designers. We're seeing the focus of this litigation interestingly has been on the apparel industry, hmm. which is a uh, likely a product of the fact that the apparel u- industry uses made in the USA labeling to add value to their products. And also uh, because the apparel industry is prone to these claims in that fabrics or, or clothes are often manufactured in the US from US fabric and yet they contain small components, rivets, buttons, zippers, that are made in foreign countries, and so they're almost an easy prey, so to speak, for the, the class action attorneys.
1: Right. Now, there's there's a couple of pending cases in California and some somewhat recent developments against some pretty big retailers, right?
0: That's right. Actually, uh, there's three cases that I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. Land's End, uh, which mm-hmm. is a very large Internet retailer, Nordstrom, and Macy's and a couple of prominent jeans designers have all been targeted for these made-in-the-USA claims. The the lawsuit against Land's End relates to a necktie that the company was selling on its website. It advertised the necktie on its website as being made in the USA, but unfortunately the label of the necktie said made in China.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: So there you have a situation where it's likely that the entire product uh, was actually made in a foreign country. The other two cases are a little bit more interesting. Those are against Macy's and Nordstrom's. And in each case, the plaintiffs also sued the um, designer. In both cases, we're talking about a pair of jeans. Uh, The suit against Nordstrom involves uh, men's jeans designed by Adriano Goldschmied. And the case against Macy's involves Uh, Women's jeans uh, designed by citizens of humanity under the boyfriend jeans label. Uh huh. And in each case, claims have alleged that while the jeans are labeled made in the USA, they contain some component a button, a rivet, a zipper that is made in a foreign country. Incredible. In in, in the case of the suit against Nordstrom, the court actually denied a motion to dismiss the case by Nordstrom and the the jeans designer. They had argued, essentially, that the California law was invalid because it contradicted the FTC standard, and and therefore it was impossible for for a retailer to comply with both. They also made the interesting claim that the uh, plaintiffs made in the USA Claims were barred by the Federal Textile Fiber Products Identification Act, which actually requires designers to indicate on clothing where the – actually requires retailers to indicate on the clothing that the products are made in the USA, if they are made in the USA. Right. So Northrup essentially argued, well (laughs) – the federal law requires us to say they're made in the USA, and the California law says that we can't say they're made in the USA, and so there's a conflict there, and therefore California law has to yield to federal law.
1: Yeah. I believe the FTC enforces that labeling rule, the federal labeling labeling rule.
0: That is correct.
1: Uh-huh. Unfortunately,
0: the uh, district court in that case, federal district court in California, rejected Nordstrom's argument and held that it's actually possible for the, the retailer and the designer to comply with both the federal standards and the California standard if they simply include qualifying language on their, their label, something to the effect of made in the USA predominantly from U.S. made fabrics. Or something right. Like. Well, that's that
1: important... That's an important point because even under the FTC standard, I mean, "Made in USA" claims can be expressed or sometimes could even be implied. But if you're not sure whether you meet the all or virtually all standard, you can always qualify your claim by saying "made of component, made of foreign components, or assembled somewhere else," as long as you sort of tell the truth.
0: That's correct. The problem with doing so, of course, is that. It, First, it undermines the value that's present when you put a made in the USA label on your products. You qualify it by saying that part of it's made in a foreign country. You know, some of that value is, is of course dissipated. And also, if California can enact its own made in the USA labeling law, then presumably every state in the country can do so. And if to the extent they're different, a retailer, a designer, Selling their products nationwide could be subject to a virtual patchwork of inconsistent state laws. Uh, it's, it's a compliance officer's worst nightmare.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's actually a good segue because let's turn it over to Bob, who's, you know, a top-notch corporate advisor. And, you know, you got you represent a lot of nationwide retailers. And, you know, now they're looking at, you know, having to inspect each label. I mean, Tell me, tell me what you say to them.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jay. You know, as, as Jared pointed out, you know, this, this is really sort of an untenable situation for retailers because they find themselves in a tricky position of trying to comply with both federal law and California law. And, you know, as we all know, because California is such a big marketplace that it's not really feasible for retailers to say that they're not going to do business in California. It's too big of a market for Mm -hmm. them. And so that has put them in a tricky situation. It gets even a little bit harder for those who are doing retail via the internet who may not really know whether they're selling products to California consumers until After the fact, so for most situations, uh, by the time Hmm. that a consumer has ordered the product, the, the retailer really doesn't know where that consumer's located until the final checkout process. And so that makes it, that makes it even trickier. So I think that companies are having to do a lot more upfront in terms of trying to figure out whether the, it's capable of making the claim of a product, that a product is made in the USA. And part of that, I think the the big issue there is, is that as we've become a more global economy, it's very difficult to ensure that those, all the component products are being made in the U.S. and being assembled in the U.S. and many cases, the the products that retailers are buying, maybe the the component parts are some manufactured in one country. The components, uh, the the feature components, come from another country and they're assembled in a different country, and so it gets very tricky to figure out the origin of many of those products. And so, for a retailer to to say that a hundred percent of the product is made in the USA is just it's very unlikely in today's environment, in today's economy, for that reason. So, yeah. Um, Obviously, selling a product in California, retailers have a couple, a couple options. One, they could consider qualifying the language that's on the label to say, you know, made in the U.S., uh, U.S.A. of U.S. and foreign parts, or they could say, you know, made in the U.S.A. predominantly of domestic fabric or, or something. But there's really no foolproof way to avoid litigation here other than completely dropping the made in the U.S.A. logo and slogan. For some retailers, that's really not a uh, an option because that aspect of their product is what makes their product attractive and desirable in the eyes of their customers, and so sure. they they may not want to drop that label.
1: We're going to hold it there for now. I'd like to thank my guests Bob Tanis and Jared Klaus. Please join us for part two of the series, where Bob, Jared, and I will discuss how retailers and product designers can minimize their liability exposure to false labeling claims dealing with Made in the USA without sacrificing the valuable label itself. As always, this is Jay Levine, your host and moderator of Antitrust Law Source. I can be reached by email at the letter J, L-E-V-I-N-E, at com. I can also be found on Twitter at J-A-Y-L-L-E-V-I-N-E or you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks and have a great day.
0: Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.